You think you know what we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet. <laughs> Knife bros. I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands. But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. Well, yeah, because like, usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can, you can huggle. Time travel stories. and At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. Well, we should make it a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't take German in school. I barely took, I took Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Three Fates Decide. My name is Mary, and I'm with my two co-hosts, Sam and Liz. Say hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. Today we are talking about Harry Potter once again. We are going to be doing the fifth book slash movie, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which the movie was released in 2007. Um, I'm just going to do a quick synopsis of what the movie and the book is about, just, just so we have a... A little bit of understanding of what's going on. Um, it starts as Harry's fifth year begins with him being attacked by Dementors in Little Whinging. Later, he finds out that the Ministry of Magic is in denial of Lord Voldemort's return, who we found out returned at the end of the last movie and slash book. Harry is also beset by disturbing and realistic nightmares, while Professor Professor Umbridge, a representative of the Ministry for Magic, Cornelius Fudge, is the new defense against the dark arts teacher. Harry becomes aware that Voldemort is after a prophecy, which reveals neither can live while the other survives. The rebellion involving the students of Hogwarts, a secret organization known as the Order of the Phoenix, the Ministry of Magic, and the Death Eaters begins in this book slash movie and this book slash movie is well movie more so than the book is where it kind of goes downhill mm -hmm. as we will get into because there have been some pretty significant things that have been left out of the movie that I think should that I feel and I know Sam feels should have been brought up into the movie more so than it than just completely left out Yes, this one, and I know I talked about it in some of like the other episodes. This one had a lot of things like missing more than the other movies, but still not as bad as the next one. The next one is definitely the worst, I think. Yes, I I agree. Them. I agree. Um, <laughs> but but this <laughs> one, I actually just watched this movie again the other day because they had like a Harry Potter marathon on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, as I'm watching it, I was like, wow, I really, like, forgot how many things were different between the movie and the book. But then I'm, like, looking at the website that, you know, we look at, and it's not a lot, but there, it's just, you know, we'll get into it, but it's not as many as I originally thought. Again, not like the next one. The next one is going to be, like, bonkers, but still, like, some it's some crazy things that like they changed or switched or just didn't get into and, and whatever, but yeah. 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 This one is like the first, like they're really this one and the next one are the two worst movie to book to movie adaptations in terms of changing things. But this one's definitely better than the next one. 
Um, yes. This book was published in June of 2003, and it was 766 pages, which is like, holy moly. I know. But yet the <laughs> other books are still bigger. I know. I know. But it's like, you see that number and you're like, wow. And it's like, I've read that like with no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember buying this book when I was visiting my aunt and uncle in Maryland. And I literally, I got home at Three o'clock in the afternoon. I read it in 12 hours. I read wow. the entire book in 12 hours. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that that reminds me of uh, my current obsession with uh, reading something else. But yeah, I, I, I know. I get, the, I, I get that passion. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, granted, this is not the only book that I've ever, like, spent an entire day slash night reading but that's right. one of the few <laughs> i just couldn't put it down and i love that like i love when that happens like even though it's not nearly as big as like the harry potter books but like the um like hunger games i read the yeah. first book so quickly i just couldn't put it down every time like i had to for one reason or another i couldn't wait to pick it up again yeah, so, I was like, I way. love when that happens. Um, okay, so let's go into the differences. Like I said, I was actually shocked looking at this website that it wasn't more than this, but some things were actually, you know, like I, I, I was actually kind of shocked they left some things out and you know, whatever, but um, okay, so just going to go ahead and read all of them. We can kind of go into each of them if we need to. So the first thing is that Quidditch is not shown at all during the movie. But or Quidditch shame. is actually right? It's actually mm -hmm. a rather big part of the book. Um Ron is actually becomes the keeper in this book. Mhm. Mm and um, a character, Angelina Johnson, becomes the captain. Harry and George are actually banned from playing Quidditch by Umbridge because they attacked Malfoy after being provoked because he insulted their mother. And Fred also banned because he was going to punch Malfoy but was held back. Ginny becomes Seeker after Harry gets banned. And it's important because Fred and this is be I'm sorry, this becomes important to Fred and George because this is yet another reason to leave Hogwarts, which if you haven't seen it, I don't think we did spoiler alert, by the way. So spoiler alert, but uh, <laughs> Fred and George basically run away from Hogwarts and like drop out basically their last year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So like Her uh, Fred and George both get banned and then Harry gets banned. Uh, Quidditch, which is how Ron and Ginny both become get on the team, basically. Um, the film opens up with Harry at a park uh, when his cousin comes and like kind of bullies him or whatever. But in the book, it's actually like before that. Right. In the movie. So it seems like Harry is upset that Ron and Hermione have to kind of 
got to spend a lot of their summer at 12 Grimmauld Place, which is where the Order's like headquarters is, which is where Sirius's family grew up. He was ve- very, very calm about it and kind of like got over it quickly. But in the book, Harry was mad. So mad because, and, and I think uh, a really big thing about this book is Harry was kind of feeling very abandoned throughout this entire book. Um, a lot of people, no one was understanding what he was going through. And it kind of started with this, how he found out once he got there that his two best friends who he didn't hear from were together basically the entire summer with the order while he was stuck with his family who he hates. And who, who doesn't really, and who they really don't, they like don't him like him either. Right. Oh, it, there's a, abandonment is a huge topic of this book for Harry. Um, yeah. Harry's hand is scarred by the Black Quill from Umbridge during his detention. But it's actually Ron who discovers his scars and has to convince him to complain to Dumbledore and McGonagall. But in the film, they gave it to her to Hermione. And I don't know why they would change something like that. Guess. Uh, yeah to me it doesn't really make sense but yeah i mean yeah to your point it seems like the movies seem to be making ron almost like a dumber character than he really is yeah I i mean he has his own flaws don't get me wrong he does you know just like any rounded character would have but it's like you guys are just making him seem like he's a dumber less sensitive character than he really is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the film luna lovegood tells harry about the thestrals in the book hagrid does during his class of care of magical creatures now obviously they didn't go into classes that much um so i guess they just fell and in the film i guess it was just a way to introduce luna so like that didn't really bother me that they kind of changed that you know, yeah. Um, a lot of rooms in the Department of Mysteries are absent from the film, such as the room with several doors and the brain room. Remember when they were like running around or whatever, like trying to find where the um, uh, uh oh my God, prophecy. what is the name? Prophecy. Thank you. Yeah, the prophecy <laughs> room day. is. Yeah, and they found yeah. all those crazy rooms. Yeah, and then they found the brain room, and Ron gets attacked in the book by a brain by one of those brain things. Yep, and that, that was bizarre. That wasn't in the in the movies. I was really hoping that would have been because that would have. I, I was kind of interested to see what they would have done with that. I'm kind of mad they didn't do it. Yeah, right. That would have been actually pretty cool. Yeah, in the book during Dumbledore's duel with Voldemort, Dumbledore actually transfigures statues and fox actually appears to help him the film doesn't happen um in the film snape's worst memory is a much shorter version of what the memory actually is you actually learn about lily and snape a little bit in his memory in the book completely left out lily um in the movie they said lily who Exactly. Which I think so that's why it why doesn't make sense the, in, in the last in the last book or the last couple of movies. Mm-hmm. Right. It like made no sense. 
Right. If you didn't read the book, he was in love with her, but you know, you find that all out. But it's like you kind of learn. Like obviously, she was someone special to him at the like at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just, but, um, a lot of Harry's visions, such as um former Ministry of Mag, uh, former Ministry employee who kind of became a Death Eater, Augustus Rookwood, told Voldemort how to access the Department of Mysteries, which is how Harry learns how to access the Department of Mysteries. It's not in the film. It's like, you think about it, the Department of Mysteries is like, you know, uh, very secluded, like a, a secret place. You know, you have to have like special knowledge to get in there. And in the movie, they just take an elevator. Like anyone yeah. can just well, Joe Schmo like can the, just walk in, <laughs> right? It's like the Department of Mysteries in the book is like the CE is like the CIA in the United States. It's full of secrets, and nobody knows anything about it except for the people that work there. In the book, at the end, Harry is so upset by Sirius's death that he actually destroys Dumbledore's office. It, it's also because he was mad at Dumbledore. It was mostly yeah. because of Sirius's death. Doesn't happen. The film yeah yeah he was way too um calm in this film compared to the book yeah compared to like how he is in the book i like, mean in the book you know, he is you... an angry teenager yeah right who's dealing with like abandonment issues from everybody and exactly. loses really the only family he has oh, poor harry well, poor harry yeah he loses well he lost the last connection to his to his uh, parents. Right. And, but he was also his godfather. That was like the only like true family. Yeah. I mean, obviously he has his aunt and uncle, but they don't count. They don't count because they're, they're, they're assholes. Yes. We don't like them. We, we no. <laughs> um, so in the book, a character, Moretta Edgecombe, who is Cho Chang's best friend, um, the one that actually snitches on Dumbledore's army, in the film, they blame it on Cho Chang, saying that she was under the influence of Veritaserum, but it was actually her best friend, uh, Marietta Edgecombe, who was actually part of Dumbledore's army because yeah. Cho Chang kind of made her come because Cho Chang had a, had a crush, on, crush on Harry. Yes, and I, I'll never forget, she had snitch written in boils across her face mm-hmm. in the book. Yes, in the book. You are correct. I wanted to see that in the movie, too. <laughs> uh, in the book, before Dumbledore, like, dis- disappears from his office, when, like, it's to, like, get him, you know, like, arrest him or whatever, Dumbledore actually has a quick duel with Fudge and the Aurors that are there before he leaves the school. And the film just runs around to the other side of his desk and then disappears. Climatic. Yeah. Harry and Cho Chang actually go on a date in the book. Do not in the film. They just kiss under mistletoe. It's really the only thing that happens. <laughs> and like I think they were walking together at one point. But like other than that, like they really did nothing. Right. Um, Harry has an interview with Rita Skeeter at one point in the book that's omitted, which that's not a big deal. Ron and Hermione become prefects in this book, which is like a very high 
like, you know, Harry was actually very jealous that he did not get chosen. If I recall, Ron was very surprised that he got chosen because he doesn't have the best grades and stuff. But again, that whole abandonment thing, like Dumbledore kind of was ignoring, well, not kind of, but was like ignoring Harry the entire year. And this all kind of wraps around that again. You know, he isn't a prefect. He was left home instead of being with the order. He didn't even know about the order. Yeah. It's crazy. So after Harry sees Snape's worst memory, he actually uses Umbridge's office to talk to Sirius and Lupin about his disapproval of James' behavior. But the scene is is omitted from the film. So he was actually very disappointed in his dad about how he treated Snape. They completely disregard that. In the beginning, after Harry, in the, in the film... Harry gets one howler from the school, basically saying that he was expelled. In the book, he gets many <laughs> sent to the house saying that he was expelled. Which, again, that's not a big deal, but... No. Um, something that we talked about with last book is Spew. Mani's mm-hmm. obsession with Spew and trying to set free the house elves kind of learn that there are house elves that actually don't mind being house elves and they don't want to uh, be free well that's omitted omitted which makes sense because they didn't talk about it in the last book so why bring it up now that would just be confusing right when fred and george leave the school in the book there are giant chains attached to their brooms there's no chains uh, in the film. I don't remember what the chains were connected to, though. Um, weren't they connected to the wall? They were basic- They had basically uh, chained their brooms to, like, either in a... No, wasn't it? Maybe it was a closet. Mm. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of vaguely remember that. Like a scenes, wall or a or yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, all scenes that take place in St. Mungo's Hospital for magical uh, maladies and injuries are cut out. We kind of talked about this before, uh, last book. So when Mister Weasley gets hurt, he gets attacked by Snake. He's actually Nagini. in the hospital. Nagini, yes, he's actually in the hospital. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to visit him, and that's when they see um, Neville with his grandmother, who they're going to go see Neville's parents, who are still alive. They are in the hospital because they were um, tortured to insanity, basically. And that's when you learn about that. You learn a lot more about Neville and his whole thing in this book. That they completely just like disregarded and it's it still ticks me off i'm sorry no yeah i mean because like you know not giving neville like more moments to shine just makes it very confusing like why it's such a big deal you know what happens in the final book so it's like what 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 (laughs) what's the deal here comes like out of nowhere so yeah yeah all but one of the owls are cut from the movie. 
there is one scene where Professor McGonagall is actually attacked, trying to protect Hagrid from Umbridge and her or and her or goons. So like at one point, like every all like the teachers are kind of going up against Umbridge. And McGonagall and Hagrid are kind of attacking back. And I think that's when, again, the students kind of realize, oh, my God, like, now we're alone. Like, we have nobody because all, all the good teachers are gone. It's crazy. Umbridge was crazy. Yes, they, Umbridge was horrible. was crazy. But, which brings me to my next point. She's actually worse in the book than she is in the film. Now, not to displace anything about the actress that played her, she did a wonderful job, but Umbridge is much softer in the film than in the book. And one way that you can tell this is in the book, when Harry and Hermione are with her going into the forest, she makes them walk ahead of her because she's part of the ministry and she, in her eyes, she's more important. Her life is more important than theirs. But in the book, when the centaurs appear, she actually steps in front of them, almost like to shield them, to protect them. That doesn't happen in, in the book. She, she, As far as she's concerned, the, the two of them could just die and she'd be fine. And then the last thing that they have is that there's actually a part uh, where there's actually information that Umbridge is the one who sent the Dementors that attacked Harry and Dudley at the very beginning of the film, and it's omitted from the film, they, or the from the book and the movie. But in the film, they completely take that out. So Umbridge sent the Dementors. That's how crazy she is. We don't even go into that in the film. It's annoying. How ruthless <laughs> she really was. I know. And that's it. And this one had... I thought more changes that I don't think needed to be changed as opposed to like the other movies. Like in the other movies, it was, you know, they changed something and I was like, okay, like it's not that big of a deal or whatever. Even if there were more changes than in this one, I felt this one had cha- more changes that didn't need to be made. So right. That's my big about it yeah like there are certain things like they just did not go into and you know they they could have slash would have right i i think the biggest one was umbrage not being as ruthlessly evil. evil yes she was ruthlessly evil in the books i mean she was horrible horrible you hated the woman and in the movies i mean while i still hated her you almost almost could feel sorry for yeah you know and i mean and like you said it's nothing against the actress who played her because the actress was phenomenal but they she she's always been described as a toad of a woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, so, so I was expecting someone to I was 
basically when when he blew up Aunt Marge, that's what I expected. Mm-hmm. But short. Basically short, fat, I mean fat. And I, I, I mean dry I mean, yeah, she was dressed in pink, but I I I expected a more shocking pink on her, really. I don't know. <laughs> I think Umbridge was my biggest pet peeve through the movie. Yeah, that she's not evil enough. Basically, the fact that I have nothing against Michael Gambon, who played Dumbledore, who took over from Richard Harris, but after Richard Harris died. But Richard Harris was like the absolute epitome perfect Dumbledore. And Michael Gambon's Dumbledore, it just, it it, it did not mesh with the books at all. Because Dumbledore is a very calm person in the books. For the most part. Yeah, he, he has was, a couple of moments, but... Yeah, and there, he's fairly calm. Obviously, Richard Harris played him to, to perfection. He's very calm, cool, collected. You really didn't know what he was thinking until the very... Till it till you were supposed to. And then Michael Gambon, he's just, like, fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, dude, you're... The, no! That that no no you're double no bring dial it back a little bit buddy like dial that down about like six million dial it down but yeah like my my pet peeve along with Ugh. you is Umbridge isn't crazy enough and Harry isn't angry enough yeah that was the other like one they, they took emotion and like they like lowered it made it more <laughs> of like a solemn thing and it's like but it's not like this is. Like, Harry, I mean, again, in the movie, like, you saw there were times when Harry would kind of, like, lose it for a second. But, like, in the book, he just, like. He was just an angry teenager through the entire book. Yeah. Well, also, also, it's implied that some of Voldemort is actually leeching into him as well, emotionally speaking. Which, again, would fit with what happened in the previous book, which is that, like, they used Harry's blood to partially recreate a body for Voldemort. On top of the fact that, you know, there's that big reveal later. Yeah. (laughs) About their connection with each other. So So it just adds to, you know, the, you know, that the idea that, like, Voldemort's emotional state is also leeching into Harry. So it's mm-hmm. like some of the anger is not is genuinely Harry's anger, but then some of it could also be Voldemort projecting his own frustrations into Harry, you know, subconsciously. Right. And and that that's true, but it like it just doesn't come through at all in this movie. It right. just just like what yeah. yeah sorry that that was what i was trying to get at is that like right that, you know that's what was supposed to happen in the movie which we did get in the book but we don't get that here so it's like right what's what's yeah. with this because i mean but. besides i mean obviously they're teenagers so obviously puberty at 15 you've got tons of hormones running through your body so it it's not unusual for i remember being 15 myself and i was I was angry. I, I was very angry. But Harry's anger 
is, at least in the book, is because of the feelings of abandonment, the feelings that nobody cares about him. He's been stuck for an entire summer with a family that hates him and he hates them. He He's torment. I mean, his, his cousin just like torments him to no end. And then nobody's, nobody has sent him any letters. Nobody just, they just don't care about him. He, that's the way he feels. And then of course a lot, then you find out that there's a connection between um, he's actually with the, cause you do find out in the book, if I remember correctly, that you do find out that the nightmares that Harry has is because is actually he's in Voldemort's body at that point. Kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like the connection is there between the two. And that's, isn't this when he has to, because didn't they start doing, um, or was that in the fifth book? They were doing the um, legumens. Right, that was how Harry saw the vision of um, Snape's memory was because Snape right. was supposed to teach him occlumency, but of course that was failing fast. Right. Yeah, I mean they show a little bit of it, but they don't show a lot of it in the book or right. in the movie. Like, you don't realize how often Harry was doing it. Right. Like, it, it only seemed like Harry did it a few times in the movie, but like he was at it for months. Yeah, that that was a that was a big one for me too, because they didn't really didn't really show the scope of what had happened to him, what that he was going through with Snape, having mm-hmm. to deal with Snape for months on end in private lessons, that would drive anybody insane. Right, and like while, while dealing with everything else on top, you exactly. know, like it's just it's just so much for like one kid to deal with, and I know. And again, I thought Daniel did well with what he was given. And you want to know what's funny is this film and the next film were both directed by the same guy. I'm um, just saying. Which explains a lot. Hmm. Never. Yeah. But we'll get into the next when we get we'll into, get the into next. that one. <laughs> yeah. That one might be a bigger episode too, because there's a lot back. Oh god, yeah, that's gonna be bad. you know it just was those those are I think my two biggest complaints out of this entire thing I mean yes there were other things that they just completely missed but a lot of it is linked to those two things again not they you really don't understand how demented Umbridge was not only was she demented but she was like completely obsessed with completely Mm -hmm. obsessed with fudge like you would have thought like she was like madly in love with him she might have been um i I think she probably was and then one thing that wasn't on the list that you know and i had mentioned was again percy uh weasley was on team ministry going against his family kind of see that bigger separation in this book no, so that wasn't brought into it, but you know, for what they had with the film, I thought they did well. You know, we had some new cast members uh, come in, mm-hmm. so some of the the newbies you had Helen Bottom Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange, which I mean, 
I want to talk about spot on. I don't know anybody who would be able to play Bellatrix the way. Amazing Paula. actress all around. Oh yeah, I mean, she she was perfect to play her, but I will say her her portrayal of Bellatrix is not the same as it is in the books, obviously. Because in the books, I mean, she's fucking psychotic. I, I mean, bet she's you they got told an... her to tone it down because you know she could go psychotic if you wanted her to. Oh, oh yeah, because she was like psychotically obsessed with Voldemort. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, she was even more obsessed with Voldemort than Umbridge is with Fudge. Yes. yes. It was, you know, like she she would do anything to have his babies, basically. I, she would have. She would have. If she could have, she would have. Yes. Um, but, Imelda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we digress. Um, Melda Staunton, yeah, yeah, God. Uh, <laughs> Staunton, who is a very great British actress, um, played Dolores Umbridge, and yes. for what she was given, she did a fantastic job. Little exactly, giggle that she does still annoys me to this day. So bravo! Oh, I know. I I, yeah. I can hear the giggle. That's the thing. I can hear the giggle. And uh, she will be uh, Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. Is she? Oh, yeah. I like her. I do. I like her a lot. Yeah. I mean, she's a fantastic actress. And she did an amazing job with the script that she was given and the direction she was given for the script. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, nobody is denying that. Yes. It's just, I, I really expected her to be shorter, fatter, uglier, and meaner mm-hmm. yeah just to exactly. just to, yeah just to verify um she's going to be playing queen elizabeth in the final two seasons of the crown so oh that's oh. awesome it's amazing uh we have ivana lynch who is luna love good Again, i love her amazing love luna and this was yeah, I but she was her really first is- acting gig yeah but she was not nearly as um, ethereal as she is in the book. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know anyone who, <laughs> like that, Luna was a different kind of crazy. <laughs> Luna was, yes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but once again, for with what she was given, she was great. Um, someone oh. who, who will have a bigger part later is Creature. The house elf who's played voice is uh, Timothy Bateson. Uh, didn't have as big of a impact in this book. It was more kind of like an introduction where he serves the house of Black. Yeah. But he hates. He basically agrees with his former master, mistress. Right. That, you know, m- mudbloods and half-breeds and all that are bad and you know basically and, the dark and lord Sirius, the yes, traitor and Sirius was a uh, blood traitor yes mm-hmm. and they didn't even go into the mother in the movie she actually is you know how like the pictures ha- like mm-hmm. hang in, in, the, in the castle and even yeah. after like they die like in Dumbledore's office like all the head previous headmasters can still speak to you even though they're dead, and mm-hmm. in the in the house of black at twelve uh, grim old place, grim old place, 
painting is there and they actually have to keep it covered because if you make any like crazy noise or anything she starts screaming at the top of her lungs <laughs> i know and she and she magically stuck herself permanently to the wall yes yeah, so they can't get her off <laughs> i know you have to like smash down the wall or something to get rid of it i think so but that yeah that that would have been interesting to see book in the movies obviously but i mean it wasn't an integral part of the book or the movie so it really didn't make a difference that it wasn't in there but yeah that was that was a good one uh, and then we meet some of the order nymphadora dora Tonk, so nymphadora tonks kingsley shacklebolt and mad eye moody who we had met in the last book but if you recall he's actually not mad eye moody was someone else pretending to be Mad Eye Moody? So we actually meet the actual Mad Eye Moody. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, that is that is that with uh, mm-hmm. the cast, the new cast. So no, I mean again for what they had, I you know the cast did well. I just think that there's uh, direction wise, uh, there could have been more in certain aspects. Saying yes, yes. That that'll the, the the two big ones that we talked about will be my pet peeves for that movie for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Harry wasn't angry enough and Umbridge wasn't ugly and mean enough. And it was that and she always did that little huff, huff, kind of like like a clearing of her throat thing. Mm-hmm. The giggle was the giggle was creepier. The giggle was more psychotic, I think. So spot on for that one. Yes. Stupid little. <laughs> okay. So before we close out, as usual, uh, we have an email address where you can send us questions, comments, uh, criticisms on how to improve our show. Um, you can email us at threefatesdecide at gmail.com. It's the title of our podcast, all in one word, and the three is spelled out. And you can also reach us on Instagram at Three Fates Decide. The three is spelled out. And feel free to send us DMs. Let us know what you think. We love feedback. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.